This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Great stuff. We've been um, talking this past couple of weeks uh, through servitude and um, Christelle was um, really um, uh, challenging us on 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 even the culture of the town and, you know, if you <clears throat> come into Stellenbosch, there's already a lot of pride, there's a lot of intellectual pride, there's a lot of stuff going on and, and it's so important that we humble ourselves in a place like this and, and show the world um, what true Christianity is about and so I just want to commend Gideon for being faithful to bring that word because that's what I'm going to actually preach on this morning um, is <clears throat> we're going to talk about discernment and the challenge for us in this culture, because we, we're trying to knock away this year a little bit, what does it mean to stand for Christ? Now, we're trying to knock away what is, what is cultural Christianity, what is religious Christianity, what is, what is a biblical Christianity, what does it mean to really follow Jesus, you know? Um, and I don't know if, if some of you grew up with this statement that says, like, uh, what would Jesus do? We had this little thing around our arm, what would Jesus do? I'm, I'm not a big fan of that, because I... I would rather first say, who is Jesus? <laughs> We're living in a time where we don't ask what would Jesus do in the circumstance. That is important. But rather, who is Jesus? Because there's a lot of people trying to define who Jesus is. There's a lot of people trying to show us another Jesus that's not the Jesus of the scripture. And it's very important to do that because maybe, um, you know, I was, I was listening to this movie thing um, and I'm not going to even mention the name here because I'm not, I'm not for a lot of people that know exactly what they're against, against all the time. I don't know if you've seen that, you know, then, oh, yeah, this, is, this guy's from the Antichrist and this guy's this. And then they put around all these movie little clips about the church, especially in America. Um, so there's a lot of people that know what they're for, but they don't know what, they, they know what they're against, but they don't know what they're for. Um, and then they form their theology and their doctrine again, you know, around what they are against. But it is important for us to be able to discern in these times that we are living. Because there's a lot of isms, there's a lot of things. And even today in the modern church, the modern charismatic church, that, you know, you can almost have a motivational gospel, that, uh, a feel-good gospel that's, that's around you and I, that makes us feel good. But our first question in church, in your life, should always be about, Lord, what pleases you? <laughs> if God is pleased, then, hey, everything will be fine. Uh, but the, it's almost like the gospel and the church has moved to look just like the world because we say, we're asking people, what is, ple what is pleasing to you? Let's make the sound nicer. Let's make the worship nicer. Let's, let's entertain people. Let's, then, then the gospel is formed around people and not around God's expectation because, hey, God also has an expectation of you and I. He's given us everything freely and he's given us grace, which is amazing. But that grace is an enablement to do his will. Grace has been given to do his will, not to have a nice existence, not just to go through life. And you have one shot at this life, one shot at this life. You don't get a second chance. Sorry, you're not going to come back, okay? You, you know, this, you've got one shot, you've got one life to live. And do we live not with the striving, but with the urgency? And we're going to talk about that at the end. So 
I was praying through this whole thing and say, who is Jesus? That's, that should be our question in these days. Who is Jesus? And then what would Jesus do in the circumstance? And it's not something new because in Jesus' time, it was around like that as well. Jesus asked the same question. He said like, who do people say that I am? In Matthew um, chapter 16, let's read it. And coming into the parts of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked his disciples saying, who do men say me to be the son of man? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So they immediately, there were a lot of groupings of people that put Jesus into a certain category. <clears throat> some said he's a prophet, some said he's like the powerful man, he's like the Messiah, or, or sort of John the Baptist. They had, we don't have time to go into all of that, but each one of these names means something. Or they said, no, you're in that group, or Jesus is like this. And, and even today, if you go to church, there's a lot of people that say, no, no, we are more reformed. We are more like this. And we don't believe in this anymore, and we don't believe in that anymore. And um, But the question should always be is, what is your main thing? What is what is the main, who is this Christ that we are serving? And and the question was there in Jesus' time as well. Well, he actually asked the question. <laughs> he said, who do people say that I am? And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal it to you, but my Father which are in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. So he gave him this other name. Remember, we spoke about this a little bit in the past couple of weeks, that the Lord looks at us differently than the way we look at ourselves. You may be seeing yourself as a Simon, but he looks at you as a Peter because through revelation, the way God sees you, the way he sees his church, the way he sees South Africa is different than the way we see it. So if we're gonna respond to think of South Africa just through fear, that fear will cripple us. But if the angels are worshiping and looking at God today, do you know what they're saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So they are focusing on his glory. They're not focusing on, oh, there's, there's a panic button in heaven, you know. Oh, Lord, you know. Oh, Ooh, Stefan has sinned. And um, let's cover his face, you know, because, oh, and that Anneli, you know. Oh, oh no, she's, she's, you know, she's not spiritual enough. Or da, 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 you know, and then, because that's when we come into the presence of God, that's what we focus on is our shortcomings or our inadequacies or what we can't do. But in the heaven's throne room, if we enter into heaven's throne room, the whole earth is full of his glory. God is moving. God is doing amazing things. And so even in the book of Revelations, when um, the writer, when John writes to the churches and these letters to the churches, he always, you know, God doesn't just start with a negative criticism, condemnation. He says, this is what I love about you. But also, I want to warn you, you've forsaken your first love, he says. So there's a, there's a challenge for us to first always say, God, what have you got to say about this? Uh, who is Christ? And that's the question, especially in our culture. Who is the real Jesus? Who is he in your life or is he a Jesus of our own making or a Jesus of culture? And this is what, uh, what he says then when, when Peter says, hey, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. It's always amazing that he doesn't just say you are Jesus. He says you are the Christ, you are the anointed one. He recognizes him in his relationship to the Holy Spirit. The Christ means the anointed one. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, when you walk in this revelation, Peter, of who I am, then what's going to happen, you're also going to walk in revelation knowledge. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. It means that you and I, when we go through this life, there's going to be a lot, a lot of doors that are closed and locked. 
and you need to find the right keys to open up those doors. Now, if you, if you, most of us probably have like a set of keys, you know, if you especially have a home and you're living somewhere, I, I don't know, you know, we, um, some of us are a bit lazy, so we don't put like stickers on the keys or whatever. And so every time you get to the door, you have to like stand 10 minutes and find the right key. But the, the best one is if you just put a number and say, or put, you get these nice, funny yellow stuff that you put around the key. And then you know, okay, the yellow one is for that door. The blue one is for that door. It's just so much easier when you identify the different keys on this bunch as to what doors it is. Uh, throw me that bunch of keys there, Gavin. <laughs> okay. So I have no idea, but give me my keys, okay, as well. I have no idea if, if Gavin gives me these keys, he says like, Gona. okay, obviously, everything keeps going right. Toyota, okay, I know that's a Toyota, okay. So I'm not going to try to lo unlock that one with that. But yeah, I've got a set of keys. And because I know there's a little blue one, no, I'm, I'm colorblind, so I have to use like blue, yellow, all the different ones. But, but with, with my set of keys, I know exactly what each one of these keys are for. Would you, would you agree? With Gavin's keys, I've got no clue except the Toyota. The rest, this looks like an alarm door gate something. Sliding gate. Okay. Garage. Sliding gate. Okay, something. But if you keep, it on, keep on pressing it, it will open up. But this is, this is the picture God gives us. And he says, like, there are keys that I'm going to give you. And that means you and I, as Christians, not all doors are going to be open and not all open doors are from the Lord and not all closed doors are. And so, so there's a lot of doors you need to walk through. And that's what he says to Peter. But I, he says, I'm going to give you the keys so that when you have the keys, you're going to recognize, wow, this one is for the back door at the office. This one has got another color. I think it's, I, I think it's green. What color is this? Purple. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The Lord is with me. Okay. Purple. Okay. So I know exactly what it is because it's the keys open certain doors. And so through this life as a Christian, that is where God wants to take you. He wants to say, hey, I'm going to give you the keys. And then when you walk through that door, you have the ability to what is open in heaven to release that on earth and what is bound in heaven to bind it here on earth. It's such an exciting relationship, but you and I need the ability to discern. Discernment means the ability to see, to know what keys belong to what door, what is... What is from the Lord, what is not? And a lot of people, because we are so distracted, like the word came this morning, we're so busy with stuff that we just walk past the open doors or we walk past the closed doors. Are, are you with me this morning? Turn to somebody and say, hey, why are you still smiling? Okay, so <clears throat> the word for revelation to reveal is to take off the cover or to disclose. So if Jesus said to Peter, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. I'm going to give you a revelation. It doesn't come by the flesh. It doesn't come naturally. But I'm going to spiritually give you revelation knowledge. Through your relationship with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to take the cover off. I'm going to open the windows, the curtains, so that you can see. Now, if you've been out there somewhere or been sometimes in nature and you and you live in this little room where, where you just open up the windows and then you see the mountains, you go like, wow, you know? Or like somebody sitting there in the back row, he's got a, a girlfriend. He goes like, every time he sees her, he says like, wow. 
he's part of a twin, but so in any case, we won't, we won't say anything. But she's like, it's like you've noticed this lady walking past and then suddenly you realize like, whoa, she walks differently than all the other creatures, female creatures on the earth, you know? It's, it's like you suddenly you realize like, ooh, I'm not just seeing something happens in my heart, you know, when, when, when I fall in love, okay? Some of you know this story. I, I made, Louise and I made tea for each other and we'd never boil the water. We, halfway through the drinking the tea, we realized like, oh, we didn't, we forgot to boil the water, but the tea was just as nice, you know? Because you think like, oh, you know? And then she talks those words. You don't even recognize exactly what she says, but just the fact she, she speaks, it's like an orchestra or a symphony to you, you know? And then you realize you should study because you haven't been studying. You have been together for five hours, but you're just like, everything is just like subliminal movies playing off in your background, you know? So we fall in love because hey, that's what happens when we see we, something begins to stir inside. It's, it's supernatural. To fall in love, it's like supernatural, okay? And so, so Jesus wants to do the same in our lives. And that's why the question is, who is Christ? To live in discernment, it's always like, who is Christ and what is he saying to me? It's not just the intellectual experience. It's not a, just a religious, traditional form of godliness. Because we need to take the cover off. Okay? And the Bible says one day we will even see clearly, perfectly, because now we see partially. We will see him for who he really is. The first 10 billion years in heaven, we're all going to stand like, Huh? Balalam, there's going to be no flies in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to just wow. So, so the question is, do we lose that wow? And that's where discernment happens. There's a lot of people that have got the gift of discerning of spirits. Now, when you're Christian, you have discernment. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you get certain gifts, and one of them is the gift of discerning of spirits. Now, a lot of people sometimes just see the negative, but the first thing about gift of discerning of spirits is the ability to see the similitude of God, to see the greatness of God, to go, wow. And in this time where we're living, we need to be able to see God. James and them wrote this album, Behold. What a prophetic statement it is, to behold God, to see, to discern. Who is God in our lives? Even in the midst of all the trouble, when, when David runs against Goliath, he sees God. He says, I do not come to you in my own strength. I come to you in the name of the Lord of the hosts of the armies of heaven. Wow. He could see God. Now let's jump to this. The next one is, is a lot of people today talking about these different gospels that are being preached. There's a, there's a motivational gospel. So I heard this one guy say, no, 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 I'm, I, I, don't, I'm, I can't judge, you know. And because I can't judge, um, the, the, the cross is just equal to love. So, so it's just love, love, love. And, and that is so important. Yes, but it's not all the truth. It's not just love. Because if we love someone based on our experience, we redefine love. And we should go to God and say, okay, God, what do you define as love? And so Paul writes about this issue a lot, and we're going to go back to this scripture. And I've put in some yellow stuff there, so hang, hang, in, hang in there. He says, for God is my witness. Now, it's, it's important that 
When we pray for people, pray scripture for them. And a great place to start when you pray for other believers, because we must pray for other believers. Bible says, actually says all the time, pray the scriptures. Go and find the scriptures that Paul prayed, you know, and then prayed over them. It says, oh, Lord, I pray that the eyes of their understanding will open so that they will see you. I pray, Lord, that the greatness of your glory may manifest in their hearts. He, he prayed so many beautiful prayers, and they're so significant. And this is one of the prayers that he starts with. Paul would many times do a personal part at the beginning and then at the end of his letters. And to the church in Philippi, he says, For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. Such a personal statement. He says, I, I long to be with you. God has poured such a love in my heart for you, he says. And I says, and this I pray, here comes the prayer, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Here comes this word discernment. He says, I want your love to grow, but it's not an emotional, experiential love. I want your love to grow in knowledge and discernment with it. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of the truth. Knowledge and the ability to see who God is. Not based on how you feel, how I feel, because I have jumped up and down and I've put on the CD and I've, you know, now I feel good about that. But my love should actually grow. He says, more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. He says, with love comes this little word discernment. And, and the word there actually is judgment or perception, the ability to perceive, to really see. <laughs> And there's a lot of Christians, I, I wish we could have time, but just go from the one year in the front right to the one at the back and say, okay, what is God saying to you at the moment? And then probably 80% of people calling themselves Christians says, I don't know what God is saying. I don't know how to hear his voice. And some will say, just read the Bible. Yes, that's where you start. God speaks to us through the Bible. But God wants us to discern his voice, to discern what does it mean for you in your life? Give direction. Give judgment on situations. And the judgment isn't, the judgment comes out of the place of love, but to actually realize what do I judge and how do I see it? Because some people say, no, 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 just be tolerant because there's a tolerance gospel going forth. There's a motivational gospel. And there's a morally good gospel. A lot of people are preaching, like, just be a good person. And, you know, if you follow God, if you love him, you know, it's all about just being a good Christian. And yet Jesus said there's nobody good. He redefined goodness. So, so even when you switch on the TV, and that's why I say to young people, please stop watching YouTube clips, stop watching sermons, stop, read your Bible, and get into relationship. Because you have no relationship with that person that you're watching that YouTube clip of. And discernment and perception and judgment around these things are going to just be more intense as we grow as the church. What is actually from God and what is not? There's going to be a lot of stuff that looks like that, you know. And a story a, a pastor told me two, three weeks ago when I was with an Angus there on the farm. It just sort of rocked me because he went through this discouragement because what happened is he was walking on the beach and he had a church for, I don't know, 12, 13 years. 70 people in the church. And as he was walking on the beach, he was like complaining and he was so discouraged. He says, God, there's 70 people in the church here and, and, and the church next door has got a couple of thousand. So I must obviously be doing something wrong. 
Lord, because look, it looks like you're prospering that church because they're big and they're huge and there's a lot of stuff happening, yeah? And I'm trying to do exactly the same, but it's not working, Lord. It's like, what's happening? And then the Lord spoke to him so clearly. He said to him, I don't count the number of people. I weigh the people. Because you can have 10,000 people in the church, but they have no spiritual weight. They have no spiritual authority. When that church prays, nothing happens. And so what is that weight, spiritual weight that you can bring to God? <laughs> the demons recognized it. They said, you know, when the seven sons of Sceva wanted to cast out demons, they said, hey, Paul we know and Jesus we know, but who are you? Because they were not saved and they were trying to like do deliverance. And the demon says, but, but, but who are you? <laughs> so don't be thrown by a gospel show. Learn to have discernment. This is what he's right. He says, you must have judgment and discernment that your love will grow. And he says, so that, listen, when your love grows, you, as you grow in this thing, something is going to happen. You may approve. You may examine. You may test. It's like you take a piece of metal and you test it. Or you go, you know, you have to go sometimes with that ring and see, like, what is, is how many flaws are in this diamond, you know? Or, you know, Devil bought a ring for his, for his wife, you know? before they got married, and, and, and you can have this beautiful big diamond, but it's still like, there's a big flaw inside, you know, so you can fool somebody, un until you've examined, and you know how to examine that diamond, then the smallest diamond can be much more worth than this massive goon of a diamond, but if you just look at the eye, you're not going to be able to see the difference, huh? and so the picture he has there is, he says, when your love really grows for God and for one another, you're going to be able to start to examine. <laughs> you're going to need to test, like you test metal, you test a diamond. You, you, your perception is going to be so clear that you're not going to respond to fear or you're not going to react to a lot of stuff. You're going to know God's will for your life. Isn't that like an amazing invitation? <laughs> and he says, this is what I pray for you because I realize that the church, there's a lot of stuff happening around you and you are so distracted, he says later on. And go and read Philippians chapter 2, beautiful chapter about the humility of Christ. And he says like, whoa, because of the name that's been given to him. But you and I need to examine. So I'm, I'm going on a rabbit trail. There goes another rabbit. There goes another rabbit. Let's focus. Okay, so that you may approve the things. What should you examine? What should you approve? The things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense. If we don't, if we as the church don't grow in this discernment in our lives. If you just think like, I can just go on and on and on, what is gonna happen? You're gonna stop, stop examining. You're gonna stop learning to discern where God is moving and what, we, what happens is something in your heart. He says two things. The first thing is you're gonna lose your sincerity. You're gonna lose that purity of just believing, of just like wowing, <laughs> just like, oh, you know, God, you are so great. Lord, wow, you are moving. God, you're doing <laughs> all this thing, you know? And the picture he has there, there's a lot of pictures in the scripture, but the one is like um, if you have a big shipping container and you put it outside or you put something with metal outside in the sun and leave it there for four years, the burning of the sun onto that metal will make the paint come up, will make all the, it will show out the worst parts of that thing. <laughs> 
That's why all of us, how many of you are living in a house that you must do maintenance on? Come on, everyone, you know? I, I don't know about you, but I've been praying for years for a house. Lord, give me a house, Lord. Give me a swimming pool. Oh, my God. If you're, if you're single uh, individual here, don't pray that prayer. You are bringing a curse upon yourself. That water may look so blue, although my son said the one day he went to, to, to class and he went and he said to all that, oh, you know, we've got a wonderful swimming pool. Our swimming pool can be blue and green, you know. And he thought that's the coolest thing ever, you know. But you just think you've maintained that thing and then poo, comes the rain and then suddenly the pH goes out and the HH goes out and the DH goes out and the patience goes out. Okay, lots of stuff goes out of the back door, you know. And you wake up and you've just, this is this beautiful pool and then it's green. And then things begin to grow in that pool, yeah. I've, I've, I must tell you, but that's just between the two of us. I've considered making that pool into a, a, a chicken farm so many times. Now, not a vegetable farm. Ben, don't put words in my mouth. A chicken farm. Just imagine how many chickens can lay eggs into that space there at the back, you know. But you stand there and then you're like... You know, and then people come in summer, the three months that we can swim here, and it's like, wow, wonderful. They jump up and down. You just sit there. Uh, leaves, pH, chlorine, da, da, da. <laughs> anything that you, <laughs> you know, have responsibility for. It. Sometimes it's hard work, okay? We're not talking about your kids today. We're talking about the pool, okay? So don't, don't wave it at me like that, okay? But, so, but he says that. In this life, there's going to be stuff happening and stuff that you're going to need to maintain. And the sun is going to shine on that metal. <laughs> and then all the worst stuff can come out, all the beauty, the purity. And he says, that's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that your discernment, as it grows, it will bring out the godliness. It bring, will bring out the life. It will bring out the, the, the real purity. Because it's only Christ that can keep giving us a soft heart. Huh? I was, I was talking to a guy last week, and it was just crazy, you know, and just stuff people go through. And this guy was just weeping, and he was just saying, look, yeah, you know, most people talk about a normal life, but I, my, my parents don't even want me to come home. They just forget about me. I, don't, I have no home. The church is my home. And I'm thinking, like, wow, some people, you know. And then he talks about this ugliness of divorce and how th things are happening. And I don't want to give details it was confidential but then I realized like yo now I've done weddings where people have the mother and the father has got like an interdict against each other on the wedding of their daughter not to be within 20 meters range from each other now imagine planning a wedding for your kid but but you your heart is so hardened that you not you know you rather keep the interdict there and make everybody unhappy and then you plan like, okay, she's going to sit over there and he's going to sit over there 20 meters from each other. And everybody walks in that way the whole day. And you think like, wow, that's such a hardness of heart. Hardness. The Bible says the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. How many of you recognize a community like that? The love of many will grow cold. This is what Paul is writing about. He says, when we discern the truth, you, you can't just say you love God because that love will bring a sincere, sincerity in your heart and will keep you out of offense and will also make sure that you don't offend others. Whoa. And offense, you know, I, 
get it so many times. Oh, the pastor didn't greet me. Well, I didn't see you, sorry, but hey. <laughs> no, 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 you, you know. And I think the problem isn't mine, sorry, but the problem is yours. <laughs> because if you're going to have an expectation of me, and I, I want to greet you, if you want to be greeted, please come to the front later, okay? I'll greet you, smile. But let's stop being full of hypocrisy. I think I, I told the story a couple of months ago, you know, of this one guy that I was phoning him on the way to India, and I was in Johannesburg passing from one plane to another. I phoned him on his birthday. And so I said, hey, happy birthday. I'm in a bit of a rush. Da, 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 da. A month later, when I came back, the guy said to me, look here, I just want to tell you that you didn't really mean to phone, you know, you didn't really mean that what you said when you phoned me. And I, I said, well, maybe you should just ask me because I was running from one plane to another. And I actually, that was the only time I had to phone you. He says, no, 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 I'm offended. I said to him, okay, sorry, but can I ask you one question? When is my birthday? Uh, then he says, no, 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 I, I, I don't know when your birthday is. I said, well, well, it passed. I'm so offended with you. Why didn't you phone me? And then I told him exactly what he told me, all the same words. I gave it back to him. And he stood there with a red face. But see, if we live in a society that is offense prone, we want to place our expectations that we have, we want to, we want to put it on other people, but we don't want to live those same things. And this is what Paul is writing about says, if we have discernment, our love will grow for each other. To keep our hearts pure and to keep us out of offense. The last days will be marked by offense. A lot of people will be offended and also offended because of the truth. And it says, without offense till the day of Christ, being filled, listen to this, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So we need to discern that. Some scriptures, you can go and read it at home. Romans 12, verse 9 to 10. Let love be without hypocrisy. Same thing. Don't be fake, he says. Don't be fake. Abhor what is evil. He says, when your love is without hypocrisy, you begin to hate evil. Because God hates evil. No, no, but God is just tolerant. He's just a loving God. Uh-uh, because you know what sin does. Sin destroys people's lives. If you don't hate evil, you don't understand the love of God. Ooh. No, no, but I thought it's just love, 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 tiptoe through the tulips. Jesus loves me so, tiptoe. He says there, if your love is without hypocrisy, James, sign me up for the worship team, okay. Okay. He says, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. We spoke about that scripture. But he says, if your love is going to be without hypocrisy, let God define that love. Yes, we feel in love and yes, we're romantically in love with him. But there's also a love for the truth. Then we begin to hate evil. Hate what God hates and love what God loves. We never hate people, I mean. <laughs> But we hate sin because it destroys our lives and it destroys people's lives. Listen to what the proverb says. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Again, your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, discretion or discernment. So there will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. 
It's a wisdom and discernment. The ability to see. Some people say, be a prophetic generation. The ability to see, to speak forth the will of God. To know the will of God. God is waiting for his prophets to arise. Some of you maybe have seen this clip of our chief justice, Mugeng Mugeng, this week. How many of you saw that clip? Okay, please don't send it to me again because everybody in church has sent it to me this past couple of days. Okay, I've, I've got it. I've seen it from all the angles. Hallelujah, okay? Send it to all your other friends. I've got it 40 times. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> everybody sent like, whoa, wow. But Mugeng Mugeng, our chief justice, a born-again, spirit-filled, amazing guy. I've met him and he's, he's like a, he's on fire for the Lord, you know? And he's doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes. But in parliament, when he opens up parliament, he prays in the name of Jesus. He goes on his knees and says, God, this nation belongs to you. Wow. But, but shouldn't we be tolerant? Shouldn't it be like, whoa, what a, what a fresh breath. Somebody taking a stand or taking a kneel for Jesus. I mean, and I'm thinking like, wow, wow, God, there are Christians in this nation that are standing up. That gives us hope. Not politicians, but somebody that would say, hey. So he gave a Bible to our president that was inaugurated as a gift. Say, Mr. President, this will keep you on the straight and narrow. Because our president used to be a preacher when he was on campus. Was the head of the issue with, with Kenneth Meshu. They were good friends. So, hey, Lord, praying for him. Bring him back. Bring him back to his first love. But see, when we have this discernment, whoa, we, we walk in a place where we're free from the cares of this world because our love is without hypocrisy. Our love isn't just feel good, feel good. It's part of that, but hey, <laughs> we also have who, what is evil. Listen to this. I'm going to just read this because we need to finish off. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 to 15. So part of that discern, discernment is the ability to see, the ability to move in this love according to God's definition is, yes, we need to examine what's happening around us. You need to examine when you watch that movie because some of those movies want to enforce an unbiblical view on your life. And a lot of Christians are just going through it like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a, you know, if you watch something like The Ice Age, very simple anim animated movie. That movie has got a certain view and it's not a biblical worldview. And it's enforcing its view on the kids. So we're not talking about being anti or reactionary all the time. We're talking about seeing what God is doing and living in that space. Then there's no fear. We're not, we're not afraid of what the devil is doing. We're not react, reacting to stuff all the time. But the Holy Spirit wants to bring us into that revelation. Listen to this. But as it is written, the eye, no eye, the eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You need to know that there's a spirit of the world. What do you think is the spirit of the world? I want you to talk to somebody next to you. Take one minute. Is the Bible says there's the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, but there's also the spirit of the world. What do you think is the spirit of the world? Quickly, quickly, turn to somebody next to you. Thank you for those three yawns. I saw three people yawning. Hallelujah. That really encourages me to keep on preaching. 
this joke. Listen to this. It goes on. The scripture goes on in verse 13. And I want you to go and pray through that. You know, what, what, is, what is the spirit of the world? And you know, when we as the church allow the spirit of the world to replace the spirit of Christ, if there's no difference between this, the, what's happening in the church and the world, we, what, we, what we then do is we work by like, hey, let's entertain the world to keep the world happy, but there will be no power because God doesn't feel welcome in our lives. And this is why he says, he says in verse 13, these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but with the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. No, 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 we're not supposed to judge. Who are you to judge me? That's what we hear all the time. That's not what Scripture says. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. So, so can I judge other people and they don't judge me? That's your homework. Go and find out what that scripture means. He says, if you live in the spiritual, you're not going to judge according to the natural. But we are spiritual beings. And now we're going to try to fight a war in the natural or we try to look at things. And that's why discernment is so important, the ability to see spiritual things. And maybe today you feel like, oh, yeah, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those deep intercessors that pray all the time and see the visions and the dreams and all of that stuff, you know. I've never even seen an angel. Well, you see your wife every morning when you wake up. So, hallelujah, you see one angel, okay. Start somewhere. thing is just. We cannot, we cannot live in an age where we just judge things in the natural and live by natural perception. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just manage stuff. Because when the sun starts to beat down on that little iron of yours or that little thing, what's gonna happen? It's, it's it has to withstand the test. There's gonna be tests in your heart. There's gonna be stuff. Is that purity gonna come out? Hello, Tony. Welcome back. Okay, but is that purity going to come out, you know? Is that life going to come out? Is that fullness going to start to manifest? And that's why it says when you're spiritual, you judge, you judge stuff. But that's not like, oh, from the devil, not from the devil. You judge, should I walk here? Am I obedient to God? It's, it's this beautiful walk that God calls us to as Christians. And yet most people, when you come into church, has got no spiritual discernment. And it will reflect in your prayer life. How do you pray? Because if you pray with the prayer of supplication, just Lord, be with me, Lord, help me, Lord, go through my day. That's a great prayer to pray, but that's not, where, that's not the realm God wants us to walk in. He will look after all your needs. He shall supply in all my needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus, but there's more. God wants us to be prophetic people. God wants us to live where we don't live just by the natural, we live by the spiritual because we are spiritual beings. And He is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. So worship Him in the way that He asks, not that we think we must. That's truth. Because if you're going to love Him, the more you love Him, the more your truth will grow. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. That means there's very good news. You and God, the 
there's somebody in that relationship that is going to change all the time. The good news is, it's not God. Can I get an amen? <laughs> We're going to change. The other type of love, the other type of discernment says, okay, God, you need to change. So then we have this pride and audacity to walk into the presence of God and tell God what he must do. Instead of just humbling ourselves and say, Lord, what are you doing? I want to be part of that. I want to discern what you are doing. I want to, I want to follow you. And you know, there's a beautiful example at the end when, when um, Peter comes and he's denied Jesus. He's just messed up. God doesn't go to him, oh, Peter, you, you filthy sinner, repent. You know, he says, Peter, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Do you love me? He says, yes, God, I love you. He says, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. And then Jesus begins to talk in the way that he should die. And then the first thing of Peter is just a human. Now, now what about John, you know? Let's, let's get the light shining a bit off me. What, if, what about John, you know? Then Jesus says, no, I, I'm not speaking about John. Peter, you follow me. Peter, you follow me. Are you willing to really follow Jesus? That's my question. And the Holy Spirit is there to help us. Matthew 25, some more homework, okay? Lots of homework. There's a story that challenges me out of my socks. And it should challenge you. Matthew 25, Matthew 24 and 25 is not nice chapters to read. It's not the ones you will quote and put on your wall. But there's a story of a group of ladies that are waiting for the return of Jesus, for the bridegroom to come. The scary part is both, there are two groups, both groups are waiting for the bridegroom. Both groups want to go into the wedding. It's not talking about non-Christians. Both groups call him Lord. Both groups recognizes his voice. But one group has got no oil in their lamps. And because there was not a, the right focus, the right beholding, the right looking, there was no oil in the lamps. So that when he came, they were busy with something else, buying oil. And then the one group went in, the other group was left outside. It's a scary scripture. It's not believers or non-believers. It's oil or not oil. Focused or not focused. Distracted or not distracted. Story of the virgins waiting for the bridegroom to come. Wow. <laughs> Go read it convict you <laughs> because then suddenly it puts us in another realm <laughs> the challenge of are we ready for his return the bible says not one person knows when he will return only the father not even jesus only the father knows when jesus will return but there's a bride who's ready and the story was like this the the bride would wait and the bride would groom would come to fetch the bride and so she would sit there. Imagine what type of makeup they should have had because maybe sometimes two days the bride was waiting with all of her friends. And then the bride would walk through the streets and they'd blow the trumpets and come and fetch the bride 
to go to the house that the bridegroom has built. Because the bridegroom would, would have gone in, in the times of Jesus, would have gone back to the house and they built an extra house onto the houses of the family for them. And so she didn't know exactly when he was going to come. So she was waiting there with makeup and dress and like, whoa, what if he comes now? What if he comes tomorrow? What if he... And then the bridegroom would come and they'd blow the trumpets and suddenly he'll be there. Sometimes even in the middle of the night. Wow. Because the bride makes herself ready. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.